and welcome uh, to everybody. Thanks to the band and welcome to everybody else. Um, hopefully you've been welcomed multiple times, uh, but you are at Christian Campus Fellowship's dinner and a message. Um, if you didn't know that, well, now you do. Um, so uh, glad you're here, whether you are in the room or listening to the podcast later. I would love to reference the live stream, but apparently the gremlins that existed last week in the live stream, apparently uh, somebody fed them after midnight because, um, wow, really? Nothing? Do y'all remember that movie? I thought that would do okay. I thought that would do okay. I said, no, oh, we got, we, we got it. It's like, no, Donnie, we got the joke. It was just not a good one. Um, but yikes, I would need to, might need to, might need to nix, might need to nix some of these other jokes here in a little bit, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, um, hopefully we get that figured out. Uh, trust me, a lot of effort is being put into that, but we're glad, uh, that you're here. Uh, glad that, that you've taken, uh, some time out of your week, uh, to hang out with us. And, uh, my name is Donnie Holiday. Realize I haven't said who I am yet. That's who I am. I'm one of your staff members. And I get to continue our theme of Kingdom of Heaven, uh, where heaven and earth meet. I am standing right dead center of that. I should scoot over a little bit. I'm going to come over here. Um, this is different. I don't feel like I'm usually over. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> Let's just keep rolling. Um, so Kingdom of Heaven, where heaven and earth meet. This is what we're talking about um, all year long, um, because we think oftentimes, I should move this one too for the video. I am on it today, y'all. I'm seeing everything, maybe because it, mainly because it was right there. Um, <laughs> but um, where heaven and earth meet, a lot of times we think of heaven as this far-off future thing, uh, but it's not just that. Yes, it is a future hope, but it is also a present reality. So this idea of where heaven and earth meet these intersections, I'm just going to break it all before it's done, apparently. Uh, golly. Um, I'm going to hit it again if I don't move it, so... Man, if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, what is going on? <laughs> but these intersections, and we talked about this last week, and if you weren't here last week, that is no problem. It's not like, um, I mean, obviously it's, it's cool to be here every week, but if you miss, it's not like you're completely going to be uh, lost. It's not like jumping in the middle of an M. Night Shyamalan movie or something and being like, what is going on? Um, what's Bruce Willis doing? I'm confused. Um, spoiler. Anyway, um, but we talked about these intersections, these places where heaven and earth meet. And we didn't come up with this. That's actually what the, the tent thing there, kind of just to the right of the window is. That's called a tabernacle. And in the first part of the Bible, before the Jewish people uh, came into the city of Jerusalem, where they were able to build a temple, um, before they were able to do that, when they were just basically kind of wandering around the desert, they had this mobile temple. Um, a, and it's called a tabernacle. And it was the place where God's presence was said to dwell. It was the place where heaven and earth met. And so that's, that's a big deal. That's why we painted it um, there. But also, later on in the Bible, when Jesus comes onto the scene, he becomes the place where heaven and earth meets. And, and his first real mic drop statement, his first thing in public ministry is actually our, our theme verse. It's Matthew 4.17. It's painted there and will pop up there where, uh, where Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven has arrived. Uh, the kingdom of heaven has Arrived, and I really like that that phrasing has arrived because it's not close, it's not near, it's here, it's already arrived. And what's really neat about that that phrase has arrived is when you look at that uh, that the original language, the Bible was not written in English, written 
Uh, second part, mostly in Greek. First part, mostly in Hebrew. A little bit of Aramaic kind of sprinkled here and there. But that Greek word that's translated has arrived literally means to join one thing to another. So our theme of where heaven and earth meet make perfect sense to use that verse. It also makes perfect sense to use a verse from Matthew because that's what we're doing this year. Is we're going through a book of the Bible called Matthew, uh, named after the man credited with writing it. It is one of the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. Don't know how much time you've spent in the Bible, but uh, it's split into two sections, uh, traditionally called the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't like that because typically we discard the old for the new, and there is plenty of good stuff uh, in the Old Testament. But the second part of the Bible starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four accounts of Jesus' time on earth, basically Jesus' uh, biographies. And so we're going to hang out in Matthew's, but because it's 28 chapters long, uh, we would not be able to go through basically from start to finish. Now, Bible chapters are a lot shorter uh, than textbook chapters, uh, but we would not be able to do justice to those chapters if we tried to cover basically a chapter a week. So this wall here kind of shows the three series. The back one that says the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, that's something that Jesus starts a lot of his stories with. We call those parables. We're going to start that series uh, tonight. And in a little bit, we'll jump into what we're calling the people section, where we see Jesus interacting with, uh, with certain people, uh, some smaller groups, some individuals, oftentimes talking with and hanging out with the people that nobody else wanted to hang out with. He seems to, Jesus seems to seek those people out, the people that other folks oftentimes avoid. And then lastly, we will end looking at some of Jesus' preaching, uh, some of his longer uh, monologues, for lack of a, of a better phrase. And so that's kind of a roadmap for where we're headed uh, this year. Uh, we're going to start with parables uh, this week. Parable is a fancy word that means a story. So we're going to kind of unpack that uh, a little bit. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to really dive into this first parable. Now, after I pray... Um, a movie, a movie, a video, a moving picture thing is going to um, is going to pop up there. It's about a two, two and a half minute video, um, and you're going to be like, what does that have to do with anything? Oh, fear not. We'll get there. So I'm going to pray, and then there'll be a video. So do what you do. Uh, God, I thank you for today. Uh, thank you for each person in the room right now. Uh, I thank you for... Uh, the words that I believe you have given me, and I ask God that you would only allow me to say what you want me to say. Uh, and I ask God that you would hear for each of us the message that you want to hear tonight, God. Uh, get me out of the way, uh, get all of us out of the way, God, so that you uh, can really communicate uh, through me and, and frankly, uh, sometimes despite me, uh, so that all of us can, can be a little bit closer to Jesus and understand you uh, a little bit more uh, when we leave here tonight. We love you, God. We thank you for Jesus. So his name we pray. Amen. So, you know, it's funny because the, the, ne the next thing in my notes, it says, aren't time-lapse videos cool? But I don't feel like I need to say that because, good grief, y'all are like, all oh, all oh, about that. Um, I kind of want to keep sitting here. It makes me feel like I'm, the, I'm in the band, So, which will never happen. Trust me. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think time-lapse videos. I mean, that was 110 days and about two and a half, three minutes. Um, time-lapse stuff is really cool, uh, sometimes. Um, I, have this, um, I have this app uh, on my phone called TimeHop. I don't know if y'all have this. Um, but what it does is every day it goes into your social media and then into your photos, and it gives you every picture that was taken or any post that was on that day, which sounds really cool. Until you look at a picture of your daughters and you're like, oh, that's really cool from a couple years ago. And then it's like eight years ago, you're like, oh. 
I mean, but, that, but that's the thing. I mean, growth and, and development and eventually maturity, um, those, are, those are things. I mean, that, that's it. I remember Carrington, um, a young, my youngest daughter, was born uh, late March, uh, March 27th. I didn't know her birthday. Uh, but she was born, um, you know, so only about, so by the time everybody left for the, for, the, for the summer, she was only like a month and a half old. And then when they came back for fall semester, she was like four and a half months old. And people were like, she's changed so much. I was like, well, she's three times as old as she was when you, I mean, of course. But growth, that's, that's a thing. That's for plants and for people. And obviously we grow physically, but we also grow mentally, emotionally. And around here, uh, spoiler, we're kind of interested in spiritual growth. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, I think tonight's going to be uh, useful because... I think what we're going to realize is that we have more power regarding our spiritual growth than we often realize. Now, the caveat to that is, with great power comes... Hey, look at those Spider-Man fans right there. Uh, yeah, so there is something to that. But I think tonight's going to be helpful because it's going to help give us an idea of where we are in our, in our spiritual growth journey and at the same time, Help us see ways that we can continue our, our faith walk, our spiritual growth journey, whatever we, want to, whatever we want to call it. Another caveat, if we want to. Because honestly, a lot of folks are you know, pretty content where they are, pretty complacent uh, where, where they are. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that some um, tonight. And, and this idea of you know, like a spiritual walk or your faith journey or, or growth, all, all of that stuff, that's why Jesus used parables, because the kingdom of heaven, it can be super confusing. I, I read something this week um, where a person said that Jesus' parables reveal the kingdom and give handles for grasping it. And I like the idea that Jesus' parables give us something to hold on to, to kind of make sense of, uh, of the, the, the kingdom of, of heaven, because it can be pretty confusing, but it goes perfectly with our theme and this, our little tagline of where heaven and earth meet, because that's what parables are, because Jesus is using earthly things to explain heavenly things. I mean, parables are some of those intersections uh, where heaven and earth meet. So we're going to actually look at, uh, at the first parable Jesus tells. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 13. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app and you want to flip there or scroll there, feel free. Otherwise, it'll be up there. Uh, the interesting thing about this, uh, the context, because I, I like context, Matthew chapters 11 and 12, Jesus is starting to face a good bit of opposition to some of his teachings because people don't really understand what he's talking about. And so I think he's like, all right, y'all just don't get it. Let me put it in your own language. And so he starts telling these parables. So this is, uh, this is again, Matthew uh, 13. That day, Jesus went out, to the house, out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables. Again, just a Bible word for stories. Saying, behold, what a good Bible word, behold. The sower went out to sow seeds, not threads. Uh, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they did not have depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Uh, others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. 
He who has ears, let him hear. Now this is uh, oftentimes called the parable of, of, of the sower. Um, and so we tend to kind of focus on the person doing the sowing, which makes sense, or we focus on the seed. But I think we can't miss the soil. Because if you, if you look at this, especially if you look at this kind of scientifically, the soil is the variable. It's one type of seed, one sower's sowing the seed. So the thing that's different is, is the seed, sorry, the soil. And, you know, when you're doing a, a science experiment, you need to just have one variable because if you have multiple variables, you don't know what caused it. So we look at the soil, and what I specifically want us to pay attention to, and this will make more sense in just a second when we uh, look at how Jesus explains this parable, is how the soil gets progressively better. Okay, uh, originally, it's just unfit for farming. I mean, it's the soil next to the road. You don't farm there. It's completely uh, unfit for farming. The next, it has kind of a, a thin layer of soil that's sitting on top of rocks. That's not going to be very beneficial for growing anything. And if you question that, all you need to do is look at the CCF front yard. You don't know this, but about that far underneath the CCF, what you see of the CCF front yard, there's gravel that has just been compacted over like who knows how long, because originally that was like the driveway and the parking lot and all that. And so, yeah. So if you're like, why can't we grow grass? That's why. So it's a parable right there. Um, look at us. <laughs> um, and then you have the soil that, that has weeds and it has thorns in it. And then lastly, you have this good soil. And so if you notice that progression of the soil that Jesus explains as he's, as he's talking about the parable and telling the parable, then here in just a second when we read his explanation, it kind of makes sense. And it's not, uh, it's not quite as confusing. This is one of the very few parables that Jesus actually explains. He typically just tells them and drops the mic and walks off and everybody's like, what? Um, and still, in this case, a lot of people were like, what? Because he only explains it to uh, his closest followers. Uh, benefits of following Jesus closely is you get let in on some secrets and stuff. Um, so we're going to look at his explanation. And again, keep in mind that whole progression of the soil. Because as Jesus explains this, it makes more sense if you view it kind of through that lens and, and thinking about that. So the ex explanation starts in verse 18 of the same chapter. Here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Now the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when, not if, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world, nobody can identify with that in the room, I'm sure. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, uh, some sixty, some thirty. So it's interesting because as the parable progresses and you see this soil getting better and better, what you see is the issues with the plant's growth and development occur later and later. The stuff that's on the soil that's not fit for farming has no growth. 
The seeds that fall on the soil that's a little bit of soil and then rocks, nothing real substantial. I mean, the other, you see a little something, but there's, there's not much to it. Uh, the stuff that, that has weeds and thorns uh, competing with it, it doesn't bear any fruit. And lastly, you have the good soil, and from the good soil, you get a good crop. So what we're going to do, and what I hope is going to be really helpful uh, for all of us tonight, is we're going to look at each soil um, in turn. But before we do that, uh, I want to ask a question. And normally I would come uh, down there when I ask questions and stuff and, you know, get some discussion going. But if you didn't see our group me post, uh, some of us on staff have recently been exposed to COVID, so I don't want to get any closer to you all than possible, so than necessary. So uh, if I sit down on the box drum, that's like me being down there, which is... If you're new or don't remember, that's the code for it. It's not a rhetorical question. So, what's something that all the... There's something right there now. What's something that all the people have in common? They all heard. Okay, they all heard. Okay, so that's not, that's not the variable. Because they all heard. And... I mean, here's the thing, y'all. We, we hear things all the time, but what we do with them impacts us more than, than just hearing it. Like, we've all heard that it is against the law to have your phone in your hand while you are driving. But there is a dude for the athens Clark County Police Department that sits down there in a nice little hidden spot where he can see you. And I lost track of how many times he pulled folks over in our driveway over the summer it's insane okay every now and then the cops will sit at the fire department when the traffic's backed up so that's the only time i'm going to warn you of that if you're like, you should warn us every time no if you get that ticket you deserve it <laughs> put your phone down leave it in your pocket good grief but yeah they all they all heard the word but the different results it implies that hearing isn't enough because if hearing was enough then they all would have, would have ended up the same. But that's not what happened. So the last verse of the parable is really easy to overlook. It's something Jesus says a lot. And I think when something's repeated, you've got to pay attention to that. And so verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. And we're kind of like, well, yeah, duh, that's how hearing works. But again, knowing the original language is helpful because what, that, what Jesus actually said there and some of your more um, literal translations will, will, will say this, but most translations like to keep it nice and, and short. It, but what Jesus literally said was, He who has ears, let him hear with the intent to obey. Which is very different from just hearing. If you hear with the intent to obey. And what's interesting, we're going to talk about this more later on, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a little, a little preview of this series when we get to the preaching. Jesus' most well-known sermons oftentimes called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. I think they're the three best chapters in the Bible. I really do, because if Christians just did that, the world would be different. But he ends this amazing sermon that has said all sorts of things and tremendous imagery and some powerful things. He ends it by saying this at the end of Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Everybody heard, but the difference in whether or not your house stands is if you obey, if you do what Jesus says to do. We have, you know, rain and floods and wind in, in that Matthew 7. And I think those relate, and Jesus uses similar things in, um, in Matthew 13. When he talks about the scorching sun and, and the rocks and the birds and the thorns. Y'all, stuff gets thrown at you in life. It just does. So what do we do with it? You know, and, and, and what do we do with it, especially when we think about what we hear from Jesus? I mean, everybody heard Jesus' words. Everybody at the Sermon on the Mount heard everything he said. But, you know, days, weeks, months, years later, some of them, their spiritual journey looked more like a nice solid house. And others of them were picking up rubble. And the difference was whether or not they obeyed, whether he did, whether we did what Jesus taught us to do. Before Jesus uh, leaves this earth, before he kind of uh, away, um, he told his, his closest followers, teach the people to obey everything I've taught. He didn't tell them, repeat again everything that they've heard from me and just make sure they hear it again. He said, teach them to do it. Teach them to obey it. So, I mean, I mean are we just hearing or are we hearing with the intent to obey? Are we just kind of interested in knowing a little about Jesus? Or are we trying to follow Him? See, our theme slide is... We went with this one because of, because of what this, this shows. Uh, Sam did a great job making a whole bunch of really cool slides. And to be perfectly honest, everybody, there was one slide that everybody, including me, liked the way it looked better. You're going to see it later for something else. Fear not. Um, but this one, this whole intersection idea, I just, I just couldn't get past that. And so... When we come to these intersections, these places where heaven and earth meet, and then we start thinking about hearing Jesus, are we hearing his voice like trailing off as we go our own way? Or are we hearing his voice clearly because we're walking very closely with him, trying to stay as close as we possibly can to follow him along the way? Jesus calls himself the way. Before Christianity was called Christianity, it was called the way. Are we following Jesus closely enough that we always know what he said? And by the way, part of following is doing what he said uh, along, those, along those same lines. It's, it's interesting because when in Jesus' day and, and a couple centuries before and a couple centuries after, when a, a new follower started following a new rabbi, when a disciple started following a new Jewish teacher, the blessing that was said over that new disciple was, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because you're walking so closely behind him that the dust he kicks up with his footsteps doesn't have time to settle on the ground. It settles on you instead. And if we're following Jesus that closely, we're going to hear what he's saying. And we're not just going to hear if we're following, we're obviously going to be paying attention, obeying. So... They all heard, but there's still some differences. So I want us uh, to look at the four types of soil um, a little bit here. And I'm going to sit down for a while. This is going to take a while. This is going to be good. Okay, here we go. So verse 19, the stuff that is uh, sown near the road. Just as you look at this, just kind of give me a little, you know, just, just some thoughts. What kind of jumps out at you? Um, about that. What do you see? What do you think? Anything bother you, concern you, questions or 
What do you got when you look at that verse? The evil one. That's, that's talking about Satan. Many Bible translations just straight up say it's Satan. So yeah, the idea that Satan comes and snatches what has been sown in someone's heart. Okay. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that first part's a little concerning. It does not understand it. I mean, raise your hand if you've ever read something in the Bible you did not understand. Boop. <laughs> yeah. Again, the original language is really helpful here because when you look at that word, it's not so much that, that they can't understand. It's that they're not really interested in putting forth the effort and don't really want to understand. Okay, because there is confusing stuff in the Bible. There just is. Now, I will tell you, there's some stuff that we like to act like it's more confusing than it really is because we know what it says. We just don't like what it says. But there is confusing stuff in the Bible. But, I mean, so, like, looking, looking at that verse from a, mic, from a microscope level, knowing that the Greek word isn't so much about doesn't understand so much as it's about doesn't want to understand isn't interested in putting in the effort. But then if we go kind of a telescopic big view, if what the Bible says is true about God's love and grace and mercy, and I believe, I, I believe that they are, that God's very loving and very gracious and very merciful, I mean, do you honestly think that at the end of our lives and whatever, you know, whatever the end of days and all that stuff looks like, that God's going to be like, oh, you didn't understand that one prophecy in Haggai, so you're out of here. I mean, that's just not going to happen. That just doesn't, that just doesn't make sense. Okay, so, yeah, so what we've got here, we're, we're talking about, honestly, a lack, of, a lack of effort, but also a lack of concern, a lack of care, just not really interested, just kind of, eh, some apathy uh, going on for sure here. And we're going to, I know I've said the word effort a lot, and maybe you're kind of like, hold up, I thought it was all about grace and not works. We're going to get there. Um, let's look at the next one, the rocky ground uh, soil. So what jumped out at you from this one? Or as you look back at it again, you're like, hmm. Firm root. Firm root? Yeah, and the seed that is sown, the actual soil. No firm root. Okay. Okay, so how do we get a firm root? So the, okay, all right. That reminds me of uh, camp high, or like retreat high. Yeah. If you're not familiar with those terms, camp high, retreat high, you know, uh, if you know what uh, the, the big passion conference in Atlanta um, or early every year, you, you go to this awesome Christian gathering and you're like, yes, for like two days. And then you're like, um, which is odd to say the day before we leave for a retreat. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, and it looks promising, right? It springs up immediately. Immediately it receives it with joy. But the problem is the affliction and the persecution hits. You know, the problem with going away on a retreat is come back home. Yeah, camp's awesome, and then you hit the real world. And if there's not that root, and we're going to talk about how we get that root, then you just, there's nothing to do. There's just, it's just hard to figure out um, where to go from there, what to do with that. This is kind of a, 
I think I like to call this the uh, lighter fluid faith. Spray some lighter fluid. <gasps> Yay! And that's kind of what goes on here because it's not, it's not anything substantial. When you light a fire, you need substantial wood to keep it going. Lighter fluid looks cool for a minute, but not for very long. All right, let's go to the, uh, the thorny soils. What do you got? Who's the Pharisees? Okay, Jewish religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of what Jesus kind of called them out for was going kind of against, you know, the love God, love people uh, mentality and mentored and turn it into like a way to control the community to an extent. Okay. Coming in their place of power. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I don't think so. Yep. Yeah, because the deceitfulness of wealth choked him out. So, I'll talk to you about that later. Because <laughs> I have, oh, yeah, that's going to be a fun conversation. Okay, but yeah, that, yeah, because I, because I, I've, yeah, there, there's some interesting stuff in, in those. I would love to talk to you about that, Lily. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. That, that took everything I had to talk about right there, but then we're going to be here for like an hour and a half. So, we're just going to keep rolling. Um, <laughs> Okay, what about that word unfruitful? You can't pour from an empty cup. You can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah, so, you, so it's gotta, there's got to be something. There's got to be something there. And this, this fruit idea, y'all, fruit is a very common analogy, not just for Jesus, but throughout the Bible. Um, and we're going to get to why that is uh, here in, in just a little bit. But this... This looks good, right? It springs up, it's got some good growth going on, then things get a little, a little tough, but it doesn't produce any fruits. It doesn't really benefit anybody else. All right, so what about the good soil? Let's look at that one. What do you think? Okay. So, yeah, if you're looking at this, you're like, well, I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like I'm in a good soil. What should I be doing? Well, it's, it, it's different for everybody. I mean, there's not one correct answer. It's like, well, is, is 100-fold good? And according to what I read, it, it, 60 would have been like kind of normal. 30 would have been not the best crop, but, you know, better than nothing. And 100-fold would have been like, dang, what kind of fertilizer are you using? So, and, and this idea of understanding and, and, and wanting to understand, but the bears fruit um, idea. I want to I unpack that because that's mainly the difference between the, uh, the thorny soil and the good soil is that the plants bear fruit. All right, think back on your middle school science class days. What's the purpose of fruit? So why, so why not just like drop the seeds right there? To be, do what? To get eaten. To get eaten. And then pooped. And then pooped. <laughs> exactly. That's, by the way, when I taught sixth graders math and science, I would always be like, so the, they eat the fruit and then they void the seeds elsewhere. And they're like, void. I'm like, poop. Oh. So that's the cool thing about, um, man, I've got a jacked up ear. And this little Britney Spears mic is just still not, still not used to it. Still not used to it. I'll get it figured out. Um, 
But fruit, yeah, fruit is intended to spread seeds. That's the whole thing. So if you have a plant that's, that's not fruitful, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not doing its job fully. It's like out in the CCF uh, front yard, we have this hydrangea plant. Look at that great green growth. Yay! What's missing? Flowers. The flowers. You know why? Because there's thorns and weeds and stuff in there. Yeah, again, the parable right there. Um, yeah, so that's supposed to have either blue or pink, sometimes white, uh, flowers on it. Did you know that the blue or pink depends on the pH of the soil? Yeah. That's so cool. Change the pH, change the colors. That's fascinating. That's just so cool. Um, but it looks good, but it's not benefiting anybody. It, there's no fruit to it. And if you're like, well, hold on, what's it? if you've forgotten about your middle school science, you're like, I thought we were talking about flowers and fruit. Well, if you ever go to a strawberry farm, they always tell you, don't pick the flowers because today's flowers are tomorrow's fruit, tomorrow's strawberry. So, so this hydrangea looks great. It is not going to be making any other hydrangea plants because no flowers. So no pollinators, so no pollination, so no, it's a whole thing. I could talk, whew, I used to talk a lot about it with sixth graders. That was entertaining. Um, by the way, I, they, they, it was funny when I first started, I don't know why I'm telling this, but I'm going to. The first year I taught, they said, we think you should do um, plant, the plant unit before the human body unit, because then if you do plant reproduction, human reproduction won't be quite as awkward. I was like, so you want me to do plant reproduction during the winter when there aren't any flowers? Cool. We did that one year, and I was like, I ain't doing that again. So, <laughs> oh, man, those were fun days. But, yeah, that's just, that's not what that plant was, was meant to do. So when we look at Jesus' parables, we look at any story in the Bible, really, oftentimes we try to find ourselves in the story. I mean, that's just what we do, um, you know, I, I think in general. So, we ask ourselves, you know, where am I in this parable? So it might be natural for us in this, in this parable to ask ourselves, well, which seed am I? Am I the seed that falls on the road or the one that falls in the thorns or the rocky soil or the good soil? But here's the thing. We'll only ask that if we just read Matthew's account. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this parable. They all have Jesus telling this parable. They all have uh, Jesus telling the explanation. But Mark and Luke's is a little bit different. Now, I want to share something there real quick, because some people, when they hear that, they kind of freak out, like, whoa, the Bible's got inconsistencies in it. Well, let me ask you a question. If three people are witnesses in a trial, and they all tell the exact same story, what do you know? They lied. I mean, just straight up, they got their stories together, and they lied. Okay, but also, if so a little details here and there might be different, but here's the thing. If there was a fire you know, somewhere in Athens, and the red and black reported that fighting the fire, two firefighters were injured, and the Athens paper reported that fighting the fire, one firefighter was injured, that inconsistency isn't going to make you say, well, the fire obviously never happened. <laughs> but legitimately, that's what people do with the Bible. It just doesn't make any sense. So Mark and Luke say something that Matthew uh, doesn't include in his uh, for, for whatever reason. But it really helps us get away from this idea that, that we're the seed. And it's this, Mark 4, 14, the sower sows the word. Luke 8, 11, the seed is the word of God. We're not 
the seed. The seed is Jesus' word, Jesus' teachings, as well as what's called in Jesus' day the law and the prophets, what we call the, the Old Testament. Um, the seed is God's word, all the things that Jesus talks about, all the things that the, that the Jewish people of this time already knew, all the things that they knew they were supposed to obey. So, but we still, okay, so I'm not the seed, then, then where am I in this parable? In this parable? Um, Mark says that Jesus says the sower is the son of man, which is Jesus' name for himself, so we're not the sower either. And, but there's, I just want to, there's nothing wrong with asking who am I in this story. I mean, that, there, nothing wrong with that um, at all. We just have to answer it openly and honestly. Because a lot of us, when we think of the children's Bible story that is not just the children's story of David and Goliath, we're like, I'm David. No, you're not. You're one of the Israelite army dudes hiding in the tent because you're scared to death of the big dude. Which is okay, but because like nobody, no, no, no men, when they're talking about the show Friends, are like, oh yeah, I'm definitely Ross. Nobody says that. <laughs> Even though you're like, hi. <laughs> Pivot! That's his favorite. That's why everybody knows Ross for. Pivot and the leather pants that, oh my goodness. But anyway. Um, that was so funny. Um, but seeds grow. They, they produce nice plants and flowers and fruit. And, and sowers sow seed. It would be great if that's who we were, but we're not. We're the dirt. Yay! We're the dirt. Not because we're dirty, okay? But because we're the ones who get the opportunity to do something with the seed. Yeah, I knew that would make you get really quiet. It's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, we're the one. We're the ones who get to figure out what to do with this seed. So, you know, I, I like asking questions. If, if you've been here before, you know that, that, that I don't give you like a bottom line statement to try to remember. I like giving us a, a, a question to think about and a first-person question. And at this point, you might be thinking, all right, the question is going to be which soil am I? That's not the question. And here's why. Because which soil am, am I implies permanency. It implies I am this soil. I'm always going to be this soil. The type of soil I am is like my Enneagram number. It's not going to change. <laughs> but here's the thing. Who you were doesn't have to be who you are. And who you are doesn't have to be who you will be. Okay? Doesn't. Last week we, last week we talked about a scary word, repent. And then we talked about an even scarier word, which basically means the same thing, change. But man, that's good news. Who you were doesn't have to be who you are, and who you are doesn't have to be who you will be. So our question tonight is, which soil do I want to be? That's the question. Not which soil am I, which soil do I want to be? Do I want to be the the soil that's the road that's not even fit for seeds? Do I want to be the rocky soil that, that lacks the depth to produce anything meaningful? Do I want to be the thorny soil that produces plants that look pretty but aren't benefiting anybody else? Or do I want to be the good soil that produces a bountiful harvest that can benefit a lot of people? See, the difference in the soils is how much effort was put into them before the seeds came along. Okay, if you know anything about gardening, you've ever had a garden or your parents had a garden, aunt, uncle, grandparents, whatever, you don't just go out there and just start throwing seeds around. 
You have to do some work beforehand. Now, the, the stuff on the road, on the path, no work was done to make that ground receptive to soil. No work was done. So you know what you got? Nothing. Now, the rocky soil, they, they did a little bit of work. You know, just kind of be, oh, yeah, there's soil there. We should plant something there. But if they'd even bothered to, like, get the tiller out just for a second and kind of start breaking the soil up, they would have hit rock and realized, we should get rid of these rocks. We should really get these rocks out of here. Now, the, the, the thorny soil, apparently the rocks were all gone, so somebody took a little more time and energy and effort, got rid of those rocks, but then didn't come back a couple days later and start pulling weeds. You know, or, or, or pulling thorns. Or if they did, they just kind of clipped them off at the, at the level of the ground. They didn't actually dig into the, into the dirt to get rid of them because those things come back. Sweet gum trees, you cannot kill them. Oh, my goodness. Bamboo, that stuff travels underneath asphalt. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. That's how it got, that's how it got over there because it started over there, and now it's over there. It's crazy. It is the, Britain is, is the it is the bane of Britain's existence. But he takes it down. He gets that sling blade out there. He's like, I got this. So, but, but you have to, yeah, it's not just a one-day thing. Now, the good soil, somebody took some time there, y'all. They, they did some tilling. They got rid of the rocks. They, they weeded it. They pulled the thorns. They maybe they sprayed some Roundup or something. And then they fertilized it. They, they put in effort. They put in work. Now, I realize you know, depending on your awareness, your amount of time spent with Christianity or the Bible or, you know, talk about God and Jesus, maybe you're like, but I thought it was all about, like, grace and not works. Like, I thought that was the whole point, that it's about what God has done, not what we do. And, yeah, that's, that's very true, okay? But it's not an, an either-or thing. Okay, it can be a both and. And a man named Dallas Willard puts it this way. This is one of my favorite quotes. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Dallas Willard was a, 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 a theologian, which is a fancy way of saying he studied God a lot. He was a, a college professor, author, speaker, just... Whew. He, he's, Dallas Wood was also the man who said the biggest disservice that we have done uh, Christianity is in teaching people it's about uh, going to heaven when you die because in reality it's about going to heaven while you're still alive, hence our theme. Um, but grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. It's not opposed to doing stuff, it's opposed to doing stuff to try to earn it, to try to deserve it. Grace and deserve don't work together. Cultivating soil that can allow a seed to grow, it takes work. And to allow a seed to grow into a mature plant that's fruitful takes even more work. And if you're adding compost to it, it's work that stinks. But it takes effort. Okay, so as you think about our question, which soil do I want to be? The question is, which soil am I willing to put in the effort to be? Now, maybe you're like, I, I want to be the good soul. I don't know what the effort is. Well, lucky for you, on the left door as you're heading out of here are the names and numbers of every staff member, graduate assistant, and ministry assistant. And that's literally why we're here, is to help you do this. 
is to help you um, cultivate your soil so that it's more receptive to God's words that enable you to be fruitful and, and, and help others. So which soil do I want to be? It, it's a big question, but here's one thing I want you to also realize. You don't have to do it by yourself. We've got a really cool uh, prayer garden out here. It's kind of Brandon and Denise's uh, brainchild, I suppose, and, and it looks great. But Brandon and Denise aren't the only people that have worked on it. You saw that in that opening video. How many people were out there working on this? We're a community. We help each other develop our soil so that we can do more with God's Word. And if you want to learn more about community, we got this thing called Kickoff Retreat. It's going to be all about community all weekend long. So which soil do I want to be? That's our question. And that question is for you to decide. But then to become that soil, you've got a whole community right here that would love to help you. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we put in the effort to make our soil receptive to God's Word. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is so readily available. God, I pray that you would uh, give us the courage to really look inwardly and um, assess which soil we are right now and then just be honest about um, not being content to be that soil. Even if we feel like we're good soil, we could always be better. Uh, and God, I pray that you would help us remember that we don't have to do that alone. I pray that you would protect us from the evil one as he tries to snatch um, your word out of our heart or as he tries to convince us that we have to do it alone or as he tries to convince us um, that we're too bad for you because that's just not true. Uh, you love all of us no matter who we are or what we've done. And we thank you for that and we thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.